What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Small World Business Podcast. My name is Justin Colzo. I'm here with my co-host. Dan Poku. It's a small world and business connects us all. So buckle up and let's grow together. All right. So we have a special guest on this uh, this episode. Uh, family, my cousin, Gabby Payne. Uh, Gabby, thanks for being on the, the episode, the podcast. Um, I know you're a busy person nowadays, so thanks for making the time for everything. But um, if you can, just give us a little, you know, background of, of yourself, you know, upbringing, education, work experience, and then kind of get us into your company, how that got started. Sure thing. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Definitely all, the pleasure is all mine. Um, so I pretty much was brought up to believe that, you know, you have to work hard no matter what you want, no matter where you're trying to get working hard is always going to be a part of it. It doesn't matter what it is you're trying to achieve. And so from a very young age, I always worked a lot. You know what I mean? I had a job when I was 13 working at one of my mom's friend's hair salon as a wash girl. I was terrible at it, by the way. But, um, I think, getting out there and trying things has been like an overall theme. So I ended up at Salisbury University, had an opportunity to study abroad, uh, lived in Ecuador for a little while. And it was during that time that I really got introduced to process improvement, Six Sigma. Um, I was with a guy who had been doing it ironically for like 30 years. And he just so happened to be in Ecuador. He was an American, but he just so happened to retire in Ecuador, teach at the school, Um, And so between internships and different things like that, I really just found myself having a really strong knack for business um, and a really strong understanding of branding. And so fast forward, um, I worked as an operations manager for a few years in Mexico, um, and then I got pulled by a management consulting firm who brought me in. And I worked pretty much all over the U.S. with, I would say, at least 12 different you know, multi-million, multi-billion dollar enterprises, um, both here in the U.S. And also they put me back in Mexico. It was ironic because I was like, I'm finally out of Mexico. And then three months later, I was back in Mexico on a on a different project. But nevertheless, it's, it's been a wild ride. And towards the end, um, I really started to focus my business on branding. I had started my business in 2016, um, but it was more of like a side hustle. It wasn't really something that I wanted to do seriously. Um, but I think at one point I was trying to get other jobs. Like I was trying to go elsewhere and I just wasn't, it was like a wall. And so I was like, okay, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe I'm supposed to start my own thing. And when I like really put my focus in it, it kind of took off and it was like, okay, either you get rid of your business or you quit your job. And I chose the business. Okay. Wow. Was that, was that a tough decision for you to make to go from your standard nine to five while doing it as a side hustle to just kind of making that leap of faith? Was that talk about some of the, like the mental turmoil that goes into that for you? Yeah. So um, it was very difficult. I probably called about 20 people who all gave me the same answer, just hoping that someone would say, no, stay at your job. (laughs) I was hoping, but literally everyone I knew, they were like, you're ready. You're going to be fine. You're ready. You're going to be fine. Um, And I think, and there were some people who did tell me, hey, like you're in COVID. So I did this during COVID, by the way. Um, They're like, you're in COVID. Things are unsure, blah, blah, blah. Um, But I think what really helped me was I had a goal of a lifestyle I wanted to live. And although I was really in my zone at my workplace, I mean, I was I got promotions every year and a half. So it wasn't like I wasn't doing well at work. It just the lifestyle of working at those companies, the culture didn't fit with what I wanted for my life. And so that is why I think the decision became much easier because I knew I wanted to have a family life. I wanted to be able to spend time with my family and friends and I valued that. And so a business just seemed like the better overall path for me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Now, would you say, I guess, being a consultant kind of helps you balance all of that you have going on for as family, you know, relationships, um, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
being like working for someone else as a consultant, you have no life most of the time. Like anybody who works for Deloitte or the big four will tell you like it's a very nice job. You get paid handsomely, but you're also paying handsomely. Right. Because you're not going to see your family like that. You're not going to see your friends like that. You're going to be flying every week. You know, it's hard on, on you as a person, on your body. Um, It's just honestly not necessarily the healthiest, most sustainable path unless you're with a really good firm that really has like really values work-life balance. But from my um, perspective, that industry, especially me, I was working in manufacturing. It's a very old industry when you look at age. And so they still had that old mindset of you're going to work here for 40 years you're going to put all you have into it and you're going to get the shiny watch and the pension. Even though the shiny watch and the pension is gone, they still act as if it's there. You know what I mean? So that is very much the expectation. Like we are your family and you can go home for a little bit to the side family, but we are your family. That's the expectation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. That's something I kind of, you know, notice and, you know, working is that, you know, they expect you to be, you know, full time, 24 seven, you know, no matter what comes up, um, just invest it within the company. But, you know, having to kind of put that aside at times when, you know, family issues come up or personal issues come up, you know, they kind of, I mean, I feel like they're more susceptible to it now and more understanding now. But back in the day, it was like, no, you you kind of work for me. So you're on my beck and call. So I love you understand why you kind of make that jump into consulting. Yeah. And I mean, the good thing about where I'm at now is, I am able to put my energy in focusing on attracting people who have the same values as me. And I think that's one of the, I would say the highest points of owning your own business, owning your own brand, because then you can say, okay, hey, hey, everyone, these are the things I believe in. If you believe in this too, let's do business. If you don't, I'm pretty sure there's someone else that believes what you believe, but I just don't believe that. And I'm, and I think, um, To have that mindset, you have to really know yourself. Um, And I think that is the one thing that I got from working full time. And so I know there's this really big culture that's like, oh, just go work for yourself. I always recommend people go work for someone else. Go see what they do right. Go see what they do wrong. Really study the market before you jump into it and take all the risks. Let them take the risk. You collect the check. And you analyze and see, hey, what did I like? What didn't I like? What kind of management style do I aspire to provide to others that wasn't given to me? So I would say, like, I never discount my experience. Um, I had just grown beyond it and I needed more for myself. Right. And I did. Well, first of all, just for everyone listening, the name of Gabby's company is Boss Blueprint. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think we did that with our last guest too. We got halfway through the episode. And we we're like, oh crap, I forgot to say the name of the company. <laughs> did you kind of take those lessons that you learned when working, you know, that corporate nine to five? Did you take those lessons? Is that how you helped to grow your company? Kind of, absolutely. you know, I like this so I can apply it this way. Is that what you used? Yeah, absolutely. And so the beauty of what I was doing is that it is different, but the same. So I work in branding. So a lot of what I'm doing with my clients is appearingly like on the forefront of the business. However, my background is in operations. And so what a lot of people forget about when they make their brand beautiful is how well do customers interact with the brand? And so I was able to take what I had learned working at operations about, hey, these are the the systems you have to have in place to provide a consistent experience because it's not about making customers feel special. It's about making them feel the same because that's what builds trust. A lot of people put a lot of effort into these one-off interactions, but for me and for my clients, my focus is on how can we build a system so that every time someone comes to you, they get the same thing because that's what people want. You know, when you walk into your grocery store and they rearrange stuff, you're like, dang, I got to learn this whole grocery store over again. Nobody likes that, right? Nobody likes that. And I think a lot of people forget about just how powerful consistency is. They try to be the new tightest thing. But my question is, can you replicate that every single time someone comes in a door? And if not, it's so much easier to stick to the basics, give people the basics, and then slowly elevate them as your systems can keep up. Wow. Okay. That's actually, 
something very, I hadn't heard that. That's very interesting to yeah, kind of, wow. I'm, I'm taking notes as we go. So I'm not, I'm not sitting here like not looking at you. Uh, one of the other things that kind of just came back up in my head, I couldn't remember it when we were talking, but Dan and I in the past have talked about how being an entrepreneur and being an owner of your own company has been very glorified, uh, particularly in social media. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you see these people driving around in nice cars and living in sky rises and all that stuff. Did you, I don't want to say, I don't want to ask if you found yourself falling into that trap, but did you feel at any point doing this like, holy crap, maybe I'm not cut out for this? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Um, and, and it's so funny. So yesterday, one of my new, my company's new initiatives is our quarterly business roundtables. Um, and we get a group of women to, together who have at least a year in experience, who have monthly revenue generating businesses to come and collectively talk about different topics. And so yesterday, our focus was on generating leads. But they said, it's so funny how you have those days where you're like, maybe this is not for me. And then at that moment, you get a new client. And so that's a lot of times how it is. Like you're going to doubt yourself. And I always have to remind people you're doing something that nobody else in your family has done. You don't have, that's why I called my company the boss blueprint because while I have, I have no one in my family who's done what I'm doing. um, I do have the experience of seeing other people run these billion dollar firms. And so I took what, they taught me and I created a blueprint so that other people could really build their own companies and honestly change the face of leadership. Because I think that when there's diversity in leadership, there's diverse thought. And I think that is what leadership is missing right now um, in business. It's just that diversity of thought, that diversity of culture. Because, you know, when you go and you travel, you get to see how someone else does things. And you start to question like, well, maybe I should try that. Actually, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? But I think when it's people who look like you, who talk like you, who are from the same background you're from, you all are in the same room. You guys are in this like fishbowl. You're in a vacuum and there. You don't even realize, um, I guess, like how much you're missing and, and just the, the many ideas that are out there that could really probably 10 X, whatever it is you're doing. But um, and I, I won't even say like you're purposefully closed off because we all do it. We all want to hang out with people who look like us, talk like us, think like us, because it makes us feel comfortable. Um, but the reality is, if you want to build a profitable business and, and you want to stay in business, there has to be diverse thought because you may be a smart person, but the smartest person in the room is all the brains combined. Mm. That's, That's actually... That's one thing that him and we've talked about a lot is I'm a firm believer that you always want to be the dumbest person in the room. And it doesn't have to be on every topic because I don't want to feel like a complete idiot. But on certain topics, you always want to have people around you that are much more intelligent. And that kind of goes into things that we've talked about, you know, building a team and networking Mm -hmm. and just building people up around you to make sure that what you're doing succeeds. Have you found that that thought process has helped you build a stronger team? Uh, not only in the business, but also in life, has that thought process led to more success in the people around you as well? I mean, I think the one thing I would recommend people do whenever they start networking, thinking about building a team, think about building up the people around them, really focus on value um, in terms of like, do we value the same things? Because I think a lot of times people are thinking about, well, how can they help me? Um, but the thing is that becomes a transactional relationship. If you really want to build like long-term business relationships, you want people who have the same values as you. Now, what you give up in the short term may be a big deal in the short term, but what you have for the long term is someone who will always bring you referrals, someone who when a new when it comes up, they're you're the you're gonna be the first person they think about. And those are the kind of relationships you want. You don't want someone who sees you as, okay, this is going to get me over my next hump. You want someone who sees you as a lifelong business friend, business partner, um, a lifelong 
person, even in a relationship, I think this is like all relationships, friendships, stick with people who, even though you all might be at different places in life, even though you all might be at different income levels, even though you all might be at different places in your career, in relationships, stick with people who have the same values as you, because eventually what's going to happen is those values will marry you all together. And as one person in the group elevates, everyone else is going to rise to the occasion. That's good. So when you start to work with, you know, your clients, do you approach it as like a partnership? You know, you try to come in and kind of see what their needs and wants are, then kind of go from there? Or is it just you kind of come in and with your own sets of ideas and kind of see if they are receptive or not to those? Yeah. So I think from a business standpoint, it is important, especially when you're smaller, um, to make sure you just have some set programs in place so that you can be as efficient as possible. Because in the beginning, you're not going to have the huge team. A lot of times it's just going to be you. And so it's important that in the beginning that you just have those set programs. However, your responsibility as a business owner is to do the discovery work, ask the right questions to make sure that the client is in the right place. So there are plenty of times where I've turned clients away and I just say, you know, we aren't really positioned to help you with that problem, but I know someone who is. And so I always consider myself, no matter what, to be a resource to the client. Um, and the word client actually means like to protect. Like when you look at, when you look up like the the history of the word, it, you're supposed to protect your client. So that's always my goal is to protect them. So if they're coming to me and I know I can't solve their problem, I'm not going to sell them into a program that's not going to help them. Because in the long term, they're going to dislike me and they're not going to come back. My goal is to always lean on integrity and say, hey, tell me about what problems you're experiencing. Tell me how you try to solve it. What has worked? What hasn't worked? And really dig into the root of their issue so that I can determine, hey, this will help you. Or, hey, here's what you need to actually start with. And then maybe you can circle back to me once you solve that problem, because that is a bigger problem for you right now. Mm, that really speaks to me because it's kind of, and I think that hopefully Dan can attest for this, mm -hmm. is how I hoped to do business and tried to do business. Um, mm -hmm. That that integrity and that authenticity, I think, is very, very important. And it's something that, it's how I was raised, so it's how I treat people and how I about, go about life. Um, but has that authenticity and that integrity helped you create those relationships? I know it's obviously very important in forming them, but has it helped you maintain them and help you make customers out of people that maybe would not have been customers? Absolutely. Um, one of the biggest things my clients always say about me, they're like, Gabby, you just never rush. And that's because I just believe everything that's meant to be, it's going to be. Um, and I won't lie to you. I give up a lot of money. I tell people that all the time. Your integrity is going to cost you, but not having integrity to me costs more because you at the end of the day have to be able to live with yourself, have to be able to go to bed, have to be able to wake up, look yourself in the mirror. And so for me, um, I think in the short term, I know my integrity costs me and I'm okay with paying that price. Um, but in the long term, I mean, I have I, I have breakfast with one of my clients. She's no longer enrolled in any of my programs. We just go into breakfast on Monday just just to go. You know what I mean? She's like, hey, I'm in D.C. Can't wait to connect with you. I was in L.A. One of my clients just we just came and sat at the hotel in the lobby and talked for a little while, met her, met her daughter. You know what I mean? And so I think that my goal really, like I said, if the values align, everything else really just falls into place. I don't force relationships with anybody in any sort of way. Um, I really just watch and wait and see. And Dan knows I probably get that from my dad because he's a very quiet, observant person. He's just watching. He's scoping the scene. That is so me. And I think, um, that serves me in business a lot because I don't really rush into anything. Um, and I just wait for things to show themselves as in terms of what it is. Like I'm looking like, okay, what is this? Okay. I can deal with this. Okay. This is fine. Or sometimes I'm like, mm, I think I'm going to just have to exit stage left out of this situation. Cause it's not really aligning with me. And so, I mean, I think you have to decide who you're going to be and then be it no matter what it costs. And I think, that part is what people struggle with because when the prices 
start to tally up, then it's just like, oh, is this really who I want to be? Um, and I'm missing out on these business deals. Is this really what I want to do, who I want to be? But once again, consistency. If you show up the same way every time, they might not like it, but they will respect it. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you touched on that because nowadays you get so caught up in, as people say, like chasing the bag. So, you know, that's not always the best thing to do because it not always results in the best outcome. So I love how you said you kind of go into the situation, fill it out. If it aligns with what what you're into, your values, your morals, then you kind of go with it. If it doesn't, then you kind of back yourself out of that situation. So I'm glad you kind of have that mindset when it comes to, you know, your interactions with your clients and business deals and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there are deals that I have to turn down because I know that my clients are going to look at me like I'm a crazy person. Like, why are you doing business with this person? Why are you allowing this brand to sponsor when they don't really align with your values? Like it it really is. Um, and honestly, I've found that once I get over the hump of just saying no, I'm just like, oh, I'm so glad I said no. You know what I mean? Because the weight of doing something that does not align with you internally is just much heavier. Um, and and even I would say in business, what I'm learning is to really lean on your intuition because a lot of people think intuition comes out of the blue, but it's really not. Your intuition is just the data you've collected over the years coming to a point of epiphany. That's all it is, is all the things that you already know, all the things you've already learned. And when you see something, your brain is like, I remember this. I think we got a solution. And so in your head, it's like, oh, I'm this magical being who just has this intuition. No, like your your brain is a data collector and it collects data. And sometimes all the data just comes together and it's like mind blown, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't see this before. And so I, I think you have to really trust yourself in business in the places that you know you have the experience. Because sometimes you need to do the research and go read a book about that and go ask a few people. Right. And don't be afraid to, to say, um, and I have mentors. I have about three mentors. Um, one, one of my mentors is like super business savvy, just overall. Um, she has a background in finance. One of my mentors works in the same industry as me. And then one of my mentors works in one of the markets that we're trying to go after in the next three months. And so it's really important to know that you bring something to the table, but also respect the fact that there are going to be people that can just push you along so much further because they have that experience that you can kind of rely on. So I think the main theme here is like, don't try to do it by yourself. Um, Trust yourself but trust the fact that other people can add value to whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. It really plays into, I mean, I don't know, I don't remember what episode it was, but we talked about building that team. Actually, I think it was the last episode we talked about networking. A couple of questions. The first is how did you meet your mentors? Because networking is such a big thing in business and even in life. I'm a firm believer that your network is your path. And so I'm curious as to how you met those three mentors, how you fostered that relationship and have grown it into a mentorship, mentory situation. Yeah, so three different ways. <laughs> My first mentor, I literally saw her on Instagram. I said, hey, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Can you please help me? <laughs> I DM'd her. That was my first um, person that I saw as a mentor. She said, she said yes. And over the years, we've built a relationship, never even seen her in person, um, aside from on Zoom. Like, we have never met in person, but she's been my mentor for almost six years now. Um, my second mentor, I met her through SCORE. So SCORE is a great platform um, where you can go, you can get mentorship. Everyone works on a volunteer basis. Um, they meet with you once every four weeks. And they have a very rigorous process for reviewing their mentors. So you're not going to get someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. These are people with 30, 40 years in the industry who have seen it all, done it all. Um, And so that's where my second mentor comes from. My third mentor is actually my mom's aunt's friend who saw me on social media and said, we need to talk because you I want to help you. You know what I'm saying? And so I think 
And here's my mom calling right now. I think <laughs> she must have heard me talking about it. I think that um, I, I say that to say, you know, there's a few different things I think that are my main takeaways from that whole process. Sometimes you just got to ask, like never be afraid to just ask the question. Um, I got offered to speak in Puerto Rico for all expenses paid just because I asked. I said, hey, you know, I know I'm working on your, your social media for you. Y'all need a speaker? Yeah, we'll fly you out. Like, we get so afraid of the no that we forget that there's such a strong possibility of the yes. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with my mentor. And even if the first person you reach out to tells you no, so what? Forget them. Next. Who's next? Who's next? You know, you have to be comfortable with rejection. Um, and we talked about this yesterday at the round table. Nine touches before the average person is going to say yes to you in sales and life and business. Most salespeople give up after the second. So if you just get to the fifth, you better than most. If you get to the ninth, you're a rock star. So one thing about me is I'm very persistent. Um, and it's I don't I'm not stuck to how. Don't don't get stuck to how you get there. Get stuck to getting there. And then that way your mind will be more creative and you'll be more open to the path you get there. So like I said, I got three mentors, three different ways. One or two came because I look for them. One came because I was already showing up and doing what I was supposed to do. And so some of the things that we want require us to act. You know, some of the things we want require us to put some skin in the game first. And then those people will come find us. And so all of my mentors are are super supportive. No matter how I got them, they're all super supportive. Um, and they all serve different purposes. But it all started with me. Me asking, me reaching out. And also um, me showing up. Me showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, outside of your mentors, do you have a team around you? Has your business grown to include other people, whether that's employees or volunteers or, I mean, you know, just your mom helping you do accounting work, whatever it is. I mean, do you have a team around you now so it's not just you or are you still kind of running this on your own? Yeah, so I have an internship program that I've developed. Um, I'm actually in the midst of rolling it out right now. Um, and it is really exciting for me because... My internships helped me land my first job because they were just so um, rigorous. And so that's what I want to create for students. And so right now I'm doing um, internships in the areas of marketing, human resources, um, operations. And I'm about to add one for events because of um, our business roundtables. And so that is what is the current model and that was actually recommended to me by my mentor. Um but the the shorter term goal or the shorter term goal yeah is to bring in an operations manager so that I can get pulled out of some of the operations um and then kind of just focus on growing the business. Okay. And that's one of the things that our last guest uh he owns I don't know if you've listened to episode four or not, but he owns a restaurant chain. And one of the comments that he made to us that was really spoke volumes to me at least um, was that when you own a business and you start a business, it's really important that you get out of working in the business when you can, so that you can work on growing the business. So it's interesting to hear you say the similar thing, just using kind of different words and showing your process and trying to do that. Um, yeah. In regards to the internships, are those online? Do they need to be in person in DC? Kind of what are you, what are your, I don't want to say standards, but expectations for that work life for your interns. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's definitely remote um, because okay. I work for my home office. And so um, they, when they, when they are required to be anywhere, we, we reimburse them. So whatever they spend to get their parking, all that stuff, we reimburse them um, because most of our clients, we meet just like this online. Um, because I have clients in California, I have clients in Texas, I have clients all through the United States. And so I'm not tied to one location. Um, so yeah, I, I think my biggest thing for them is to know what you want remotely. 
because I don't expect them to have it all figured out because I know I didn't. Um, so one of the questions I always ask them is, what are you trying to get out of this experience? Um, what What is important for you? And then that way I can place them in the right place. Because I think one of the things I've learned from management consulting is a lot of people, when you put them in the wrong position, even if they're cut out for it, they don't do the work with the same amount of passion and focus. So I want people to be in their zone of genius so that they can really excel. And it's a win-win. You know, they get the experience they need. I can help, you know, clean it, clean it up a little bit because I have a background in branding. I've, you know, worked at a few different companies and, you know, like the resumes that I see coming to me. I don't judge my interns by their resumes. They usually look terrible. I won't lie. But I don't really care about your resume. What I care about is, do you know what you want and are you willing to go after it? That's really the main thing I look for when I talk to interns. Do you know what you want and are you willing to go after it? And willing to go after it means saying no to the wrong opportunities and saying yes to the right opportunities. So I like people who have like that, that like final, hey, this is what I want. And I appreciate this, but this is not what I want. So it's hunting mm-hmm. for those same values that you always talk about. It's mm-hmm. cool. okay. That's cool. Yeah. And with the internship, is that like a way of kind of giving back? Like, so I'm sure you kind of had to put the grunt work in and you were, you know, under someone and then they kind of helped you out. So is that your way of kind of passing forward, you know, some of the knowledge and experiences you kind of. Absolutely. Absolutely. My goal is to create a world-class internship program, which mm-hmm. is why the first people I'm bringing on are HR interns because they'll be able to go to the next person and say, I created an internship program. And it's, by the way, the best in small business, the the most robust small business has ever seen. Like, that's my goal. And honestly, that's the way I do things. My goal is to always create the best of the best of the best. Like, I want it to be tight. I may not be operating in every area, but if I'm there, I'm operating in excellence. And that's really what I want for my interns. We have super structured programs uh, we do one co-working hour a week where we literally just sit on Zoom. We both working. You ask me a question, you know, you bounce ideas off of me. What do you think about this? And then we also do an end of week review where we say, okay, here's what you were supposed to accomplish. Here's what you did accomplish. Where do you need support? Where do you need help? But for the most part, um, what I found the people I attract um, are people who just honestly, they like to do their own thing. And, you know, I'll ask questions when I have them. But I really just want to build my own kingdom. And and that's what I welcome because I'm that kind of person as well. Have you experienced, we touched on it earlier, that feeling of what the hell am I doing? Uh, We refer to it as the imposter syndrome. I've heard of a lot of people refer to it as that as well. In rolling out that internship program, is that a feeling that you experience? Like, okay, this could be really, really cool. But at the same time, what the hell am I putting together? What am I doing? Have you experienced that no, no, um, I really haven't, surprisingly, um, but well, not surprisingly. So in my corporate role, you know, I worked in management consulting specifically with leadership. So I understand what makes leadership effective and what and what doesn't. Prior to that, as an operations manager, I actually was tasked my first job out of college, by the way. <laughs> it was a baptism by fire. So I was tasked to bring an office from Maryland to Mexico. That was my job. That was my first job in in the corporate world. My first full-time job was, here's this office you know nothing about. Learn it, learn its procedures, document them in English and Spanish, take the office down to Mexico, train up a team down there. Wow. That was my first job. And so when it comes to building employee development programs and things like that, it really comes natural to me because I already had to figure it out. And then I think my mentor has been a really good resource for me in terms of just pushing me and saying, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to build out. And even when I show my interns like, hey, here's your week by week, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so well structured. Because even the bigger businesses, they go there and it's honestly a bunch of BS. They're there. They're getting coffee. They're answering phones. They're responding to emails. We're not doing that. Like you need to be in your zone of genius. You may have to respond to one or two emails, but that is not the the bulk of the program. And that's not what I want it to be. So I think my past experiences, I do have the opportunity to lean on those. 
And then my mentor just helps me work through any questions I have, like in terms of just like lead, like making sure I have a confidentially uh, confidentiality agreement in place for my interns. Because at the end of the day, it's your business, so you have to protect it. Um, but I think the main focus has just been on developing that structured development plan for them and making sure that they're, you know, leaving with much more than they came. Wow. All right. So that is <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome. Um, so I kind of want to touch on as far as the clients you work with, like at what stage do they come to you? Is it, you know, when they're at their peak, trying to like get over that hump and build more, you know, pipeline or products and stuff like that? Or is it kind of like we're about to bottom out and you're like, all right, I need somebody to come in to kind of save the ship in a sense from, from sinking? Like at what point do you kind of work with your clients? Um, I think so. I've gotten clients probably from all ends of the spectrum. I'm lucky enough to say that I don't have too many clients who need me to save a sinking ship. I think I did that in my full time and I'm not necessarily interested in that because to me, that tells me like, why did you ignore the problem all this time? So to me, I'm like, are you a procrastinator? Because if so, we can't work together because I don't value that. I value like if I know I have an issue, I'm not going to ignore the problem. I'm not going to ignore the elephant in the room. Right. So I don't think I really attract those kind of clients, um, probably because I'm such a straight shooter. And I'm going to be like, well, where have you been the past year? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to ask the hard questions. But I will say most of my clients have proof of concept, meaning that they've been in the marketplace. They have somewhat of an offer. It doesn't have to be perfect, but they know how to make money. That's probably my first prerequisite for my clients. You already know how to make money. You may have not figured out how you're doing it yet, but you know how to make money. And so most of my clients operate in three different spaces. So I work with um, the government and government contractors. I work with service providers. Um, so a lot of the online coaches and things like that. And then I have a, a special place in my heart for beauty brands. I really enjoy working with them. Um, because the women are so brilliant. They're like chemists, you know what I'm saying? They're literally creating these products from scratch in their kitchen. And I just think that's so impressive. Like you're a whole scientist, bro. So, <laughs> so I really um, appreciate working with them. But like I said, most of them have proof of concept. And once again, I think that goes back to what I said earlier, like the help you need is out there, but make sure you're working on helping yourself first. I have this, I'm a post-it note person. So if you were to see my wall, it has post-it notes and the one in front of me has a lot as well. But there's a post-it on there that says, um, it says something like, uh, you know, God helps those who help themselves or something like that. Um, and I just really believe in, you know, making sure that you are doing all you can because at that time is when the help typically comes in. Like no one wants to help someone who's not helping themselves. True, yeah, true. Now, are they always receptive of your ideas per se, or are they kind of like uh, hesitant? Maybe, maybe that's not going to work for us and stuff like that. I would say no. By the time I'm working with a client, they already know how I think. And I'm okay. always, like I said, in discovery mode. So I don't ever do anything without having a reason. And nine times out of 10, I've already completely explained that reason. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm seeing in your business. Do you agree there? And I think that's my management consulting kicking in because a lot of time you will come into these companies and they hated you for it. You know what I'm saying? They didn't want you to be there. You don't know our business. You don't, You haven't worked in this industry. Man, man, man. I mean, I have heard it all. I've had clients walk out of the room on me. Like, I mean, and you see me just sitting here like, I was just like, oh, they'll be back in about 15, you know? Um, but I think it's important to number one, the, the number one thing I, I show my clients is like, you are the expert in your business. I'm not the expert in your business. I'm the expert in branding and marketing and operations. So while you know, you, you know, your customers, you know, your product, I know the market. I know how the market works. I know how customers respond. I understand buyer psychology. And so my job is not to try to fix you or anything like that. My job is to serve as an advisor in this specific area of your business where you don't specialize. That's all that it is. And so they understand like a lot of times, and this is the beauty of having like that system, that program in place. 
because they're not the first person who has gone through this program. And I have proven results for my programs. For example, one of my clients who owns a hair business, we were able to triple her profitability in three months. We were able to double her revenue in that same time frame. And so a lot of times it's me leaning on, hey, we've done this before. They've come through this program. Um, but we always are explaining why we're doing things as well because they need to know for themselves, right? You know, I don't want to become a crutch for any of my clients. I'm perfectly comfortable with solving this problem. And then when the next one comes up, we can tackle that one. I don't want any of my clients to be stuck. It's it's interesting you say that. I mean, I was, I've been a personal trainer for two years. I went and the first business I started was personal training. And I, I went about it the same way where everything that I had and every exercise that I had a client do, there was a reason behind it. And I always said, if you don't understand, please ask me because I don't want you to have to be my client for the rest of your life. I always told every single one of my clients, I want to train you for like two years max. Mm -hmm. And when I stop training, I don't want you to need another trainer. I want you to say, I know how to work out. I know why to work out. I know what I'm going to do because they ask those questions. So the fact that you go about business that way is very uh, intriguing, I guess you could say. Yeah. One thing that I want to kind of touch on is you you mentioned it and you kind of, I guess, glossed over it very quickly. That thick skin where a client kind of is like, man, F this, I don't need it. And they get up and walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. I've always had that growing up playing sports. I think Dan can attest that he probably has as well. And it's been very, very important. One thing that I always say is, you know, if you call Steve Jobs broke, he's going to laugh in your face, get in the helicopter and fly away. He doesn't care. Is that thick skin important, not only in your industry, but in business in general, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think um, having thick skin is important. Um, But I do think that if you don't have thick skin, there are just certain mindsets you have to learn, right? So um, some people may say, you know what, like, I am the most sensitive person in the world and my feelings get hurt very easily. And so the best thing for people like that, I always recommend is to treat it extremely logically. Don't think that the world is after you. So going back to our, what we talk about in terms of follow-up nine times the follow-up, I had a conversation with one of my clients and I hope she hears this because she was trying to raise donations for her event. It was a really meaningful event. Um, and she was like, I don't have any donations. I've contacted people. So we did the math. I said, yo, you need to contact 93 people and follow up with them up to nine times. And she was just like, I contacted them. I said, did you follow up? No. I said, okay, let me ask you a question. I said, I sent you an invitation to the small business roundtable. Did you, did you uh, register? No. Okay. So why do you think that you're special? (laughs) Why do you think that you're at the top of someone else's mind? I asked her, I said, am I at the top of your mind? She said, no. I said, okay, so you're not at the top of their mind either. I said, people have families. People have financial things that they have to work through. People have to be looking at their budget. They have jobs. They have priorities, you know? And so you have to think, I'm not bugging this person. I'm just reminding them because they forgot. If they haven't responded, they forgot or something else took precedence. That's all. Don't take it as they're they're not ignoring you, right? Because we tell ourselves these stories and that's how we get our feelings hurt. They're not ignoring you. Something else is more important right now. And I think if you take that approach and don't take things so personally, um, Mm -hmm that that makes a really big difference. Two books I recommend for people who struggle with that. I'm looking over here because I have one right here. There's a book um, called Let Nothing Disturb You. It's a compilation of like this nun. Her name is Teresa of Avila. But she has these really powerful, um, just like, man, kick you in the throat. Like, oh, this, why you had to tell me like that? I wasn't ready, you know, but it, it really opens you up to saying like, you know what? I do need to get it together. That book. And then there's another book, um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. That is a great book. Um, yeah, you know. Pull out of your feelings and stop worrying about things that don't really matter. Um, and, and another thing someone once told me, I, I wish I could remember who. They said, why would a reasonable, rational person be doing this? 
Why would a reasonable, rational person be doing this? And if you ask yourself that question every time, nine times out of 10, it has nothing to do with a, a, a problem with you. So if I say, hey, why would a reasonable, rational person walk out of the room? Maybe home life is really stressful and this is just the camp, the straw that broke the camel's back. Maybe they have been giving these same ideas to their boats. They've been ignored, disregarded. And now I'm coming in saying the same thing and they just can't handle it. Right? It has nothing to do with me. Right. To do with me. And a lot of times when people are responding to you in that way, it has nothing to do with you. Like you are the, the last on the list. And so we put we put ourselves in these places of importance. You know what I'm saying? And we pay for it because, like I said, we get our feelings hurt because we think it's personal. And it nine times out of 10, that okay. person is not thinking about you. They are not. It, it's not personal. <laughs> so, you know, you have to have that mindset of why would a reasonable, rational person be doing this? And just assume the best. There's a 10% chance that it's the worst, but most of the time it's the best. So you might as well just lean on that side. All right. All right. Yeah, those are some good reasons. And I'll also kind of throw in there uh, the four agreements, if anyone has ever read that. Like one of the agreements is to not take things personally, because like you said, most of the time it's them either projecting what they have going on or, you know, them dealing with their own stuff. So Learning how to not take things personally, for me at least, definitely has helped me, you know, in any type of relationship, you know, in my life. So I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah. Yeah, Abby, one of my biggest questions for you, and I ended uh, the last podcast that we had a guest on with this. What are you afraid of? And I don't mean in the sense of like, oh, spiders really freak me out or I don't like driving at night. What really like hits you deep and what are you actually genuinely like? Hey, that would really screw me up if this happened. Um, I would say the only thing I'm afraid of. So um, I'm not sure, Dan, how much you're aware, but I know that in our family, there have been businesses after businesses after business. I mean, there have been full-time business owners. Mm -hmm. Nobody's business has outlived them. And that's a problem to me. Mm -hmm. So. A business that does not outlive me is a problem. And not necessarily that it's still running the way that I've created it to run, but I mean, the impact on my family has to be there for generations to come. Like, I think my worst fear is to do the same thing everyone else has done. Like, in my head, they did that, so I have to take it that next step. They had a business that they ran. Maybe not successfully, maybe, you know, I know one of them had issues with um, not making sure people pay him. And so his business went out of business trying to help everybody else, you know, and you got to kind of help yourself first. But I think my biggest fear is for this business to not change my family. This business needs to change my family for the better. One way or another, maybe it's through jobs, maybe it's through money. Maybe the business gets sold and then they take the money and now everyone can truly pursue their dreams. Like that is probably my biggest fear it, in business. I don't have a fear. I don't think any, there's nothing that can wipe me out. I'm determined. I'm persistent. I don't care what it is. Like if I got to start from the beginning, ground zero, bring it. Let's do it. Whatever. Like I'm about that life. So I don't think nothing in business, nothing in business scares me. You know what I'm saying? There, there's nothing that can destroy any person, right? If you're still breathing, you still got breath in your body, then you still have a chance. So that's just how I see it. So nothing in the business scares me, but I think me making sure that the business is sustainable beyond me is always my goal. And that's my goal for my clients as well, for their businesses to transform the wealth in their family. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's very good. So I guess my last question would be, so where do you see the Boss Blueprint Agency going? Like, what's the, not the end goal, but where do you see yourself in the future? Yeah, so I think this agency is going to be home to uh, a lot of entrepreneurs who just are, like, super, super passionate and just 
super focused and driven. Um, I think it's also going to be home to a lot of businesses that operate in integrity. Um, I think we are going to be like the key brand management firm um, on the East Coast. I think we're going to be the top, top, top. Um, I think we're going to be recognized in government. We're going to be recognized in uh, the public space. I see us really dominating that area um, and and doing so because the long game is always key to me. And I think that's how I run the business. That's how I build the business. It's always about that long term. Um, And so that's where I see it going. Um, I think we'll continue to work with beauty brands, service providers, and and government. I think that's where we'll operate, and I think we'll just bring a fresh perspective to the face and to the to the um, market, and also a diverse group of thought, like I talked about before, just different CEOs with different backgrounds who are completely brilliant and innovative and and have thought of things the way that other people haven't. So that's where I see us. Dan asked a question the last time we had a guest, and this is the last question that I have. I don't know if Dan has any more after this. If you had to leave one piece of advice for a young entrepreneur, whether that's a young woman trying to get into a beauty brand or someone that's trying to get into um, like the consulting world, what would that one piece of advice be to grow it, to be successful, and to be able to finance it, make money off of it? Be an entrepreneur? Yeah, I would say start with the end in mind. So every single one of my clients needs to have an exit strategy. And that sounds crazy when you feel like, hey, I haven't even made any money yet. But the reason you want to start with the end in mind is because it'll force you to operate in a sustainable way. Like, I mean, I know that Uber and all these other companies have been able to run off of venture capital for years and years and years. That's not the vision I have with my clients. Profitability is extremely important to me. Um, And I I think I think that way because of my thought process of making sure you leave more wealth than your family had before you left. Because if you're running that business that way, and for some reason you don't make it when that business turns profitable, guess who's there to deal with the baggage? Not you. And so for me, it's always end in mind, what does this look, what does this business look like when I retire? And then how can I start to build towards that? Because most people are not going to want to run a business for 70 years. Okay. That's just not realistic. That is not realistic. So always start with the end in mind, build your systems, focus on sustainability, and focus on, like you said earlier, pulling yourself out of the business from the very beginning. That's the one mistake I made. And so once my business got really busy, so did I. It shouldn't be that way. And so you have to make sure that in the very beginning, you say, okay, how can I slowly start to pull myself out? And I think that'll also help you to price right so that you have the resources to go and get contractors and things like that. Dan, did you have anything else for today? Well, um, so I have one more question. Uh, I mentioned touched on it earlier, but were there any barriers you faced when getting started with your agency, whether it be, you know, your gender, race, age, even because you started pretty young? Yeah. Um, or anything you had to kind of like navigate through when you first got started? I mean, um, I don't really. So I probably am, am an anomaly in this sense. I don't really care about any of that. Like. Right. You can say I'm a woman, you can say I'm young, you can say I'm black, but at the end of the day, I'm smart. (laughs) So um, you can be on the winning team or not. (laughs) But um, no, I think the biggest thing for me was just a lack of focus. Um, So I jumped business models like four times. And the thing about it is you have to give your business model time to work and grow. And so... If there's a business that you're doing and someone else is doing it and succeeding, it's not the business. It's you. It's you. What are you not doing that they are doing? So if you can't get clients, but someone else can go read a book about how to get more clients. Right. And don't give up so easily. I think I would spend like six months on each business model. Be like, "Mm, this ain't it. This ain't working. 
next next business model yeah and so i think i gave up on a lot of businesses too soon um but you know in doing that i've learned a lot as well and so i get to pour that back into my clients so i would say my biggest barrier was me and just my lack of understanding that businesses don't just pop off in three months you know it's years and years of work and showing up that is what you see like you see these successful entrepreneurs on social media they've been struggling for the last eight years and on year nine it hit you know what i'm saying like this isn't an overnight success that's what you see but that's not what is the reality it might seem overnight to you but they were where you where you are at one point and so you have to figure out what's going to get you over that next hump and Really focus on sales, really focus on sales, proof of concept, sales, same thing. Will people buy what I'm offering? And like I said, unless you're one of one in the market and you got to make some huge uh, mental shift in the way people think about things and the way people operate in their lives. Like unless you got the next iPhone, you know, if there's someone else doing what it is you do successfully in the market, it's always you. And being a business owner comes with that knowing and that responsibility that I can't pass the buck to anybody else. It's me. And I'm going to have to figure this problem out. So just be dedicated to understanding your problems in your business and be willing to fix them Um, and bring in help. If you can't do it by yourself, bring in help. And that doesn't always have to be through a coach or a webinar. Pick up a book, man. There's so much information in books. Um, and you can, and with technology, you don't even got to be a reader. You can just play it, you know, play it on the way to work. You know what I'm saying? And so there's no excuse to, to not getting there, you know, do the work and, and the success will come. Uh, uh, Gabby, we end every single episode with a question from a book I picked up from Target, 3000 questions about me. Yeah. Go ahead and give me a random number one to 3000. Um, let's go with 3000. Let's go with 3000. Should be the easiest to flip to you, thanks, right? <laughs> the last All right. When you're sick, do you grin or bear it? Or do you grin and bear it or just curl up in bed as much as possible? Oh, That's I'm in the a literal sense. Let's take it more figuratively. It's mm-hmm. like when you have an issue in life or in work. I can probably assume your answer based off of this conversation. But when you're sick or you have an issue in life or in work, do you grin and bear it? Or do you curl up and ball in your bed? Um, so I've found there's space for both. Um, it depends on how well or how effective I currently am at solving the problem. Sometimes, um, and because I understand consumer psychology and I study the brain and things like that, I am very aware of the fact that sometimes all you have to do is step away. And the answers will come because you're giving your subconscious some time to work. So your conscious mind um, is powerful, but your subconscious mind is much more powerful. So I think is I don't even think it's a this or that. I think it's a this and that. Like sometimes um, you need to step away, go do something, go do something fun, go do something different, go do something exciting, get your mind off of the business let your subconscious work. And a lot of times you can answer your own problems. Now you don't want to stay in fun land, right? You can't stay there. You're just going for a purpose. And that's really to relieve your conscious mind, your conscious mind. Usually when you can't solve problems, it's because your conscious mind is under too much stress, right? And it's a lot of pressure. So to relieve that pressure off your conscious mind, go put it on something simple, something easy, something that doesn't bear a lot of weight, bear a lot of consequences. You know, if you swing, whether you swing right, it's not going to change your life much. Right. So if you want to swing, you're okay, And your mind knows that your mind feels safe and your mind can do the work. So if I'm dealing with a really, really huge problem in my business, I'm going to step away for a second. I'm going to go spend some time with friends and family, laugh, joke, and then I'm going to come back. And a lot of times the answer is already there. Interesting. I mean, that's generally speaking how I go about life and business as well. I was always raised up that you figure it out because you have to. And I think that that's a big part in business, especially when you make the jump from nine to five to entrepreneur, you figure it out because you have to. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times, I mean, 
my girlfriend gets very, very stressed out about things that, in my personal opinion, make no sense to stress about. And when stuff happens to me, my answer is always, well, I'll figure it out when it happens. Because because I will. I don't have a choice to, but to figure it out. And I think that it's interesting that you say to take that step away because I think myself for sure, and I know a lot of people around me as well, fail to do that. I yeah. think that that hustle is kind of glorified. Just go, 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 go. You're going to figure it out. You have to figure it out. When sometimes it's okay not to. And I mm-hmm. think that I think I see it more in men um, that are afraid to be like, I don't know the answer. I need to step away for two seconds. I think women are generally speaking, of course, have been more okay doing that. Whereas men might feel kind of soft in that sense and they don't want to do that. So you saying that is very interesting and very kind of mind opening to me. Um, So thank you for touching on that, I guess I should say as well. I mean, I think I struggle with that too, to be honest. In the beginning, I would just be like, and, and there are times where if I can't fix it, I can't do nothing else. I can't focus on anything else. I got to get this done. Like they, I do have moments like that. Um, but like I said, I've just found that it's so much easier to step away. Um, and I think to the guys who struggle with that, you're not giving up. You're giving your subconscious time to work. And um, I'm reading another book because I read a lot. I'm reading a book, Atomic Habits. And one of the things that he says is you can reinforce your habits by talking about why you're doing them out loud. So even while you're pushing back from the desk, you can say, I am stepping away because I'm giving my subconscious time to work through this problem. So that way it's not like I'm stepping away because I'm quitting or I'm stepping away because whatever else story you're telling yourself, hey, I'm stepping away so I can give my subconscious mind some time to work. And even if someone calls you up and wants to talk about it, hey, hey, right now I'm stepping away from this and giving my subconscious some time to work, but we can talk about it later. You know what I'm saying? So having um, just that verbal confirmation a lot of times will help as well. Just reminding yourself, hey, this is why I'm doing this. Yeah, that's, that's very good advice. That's something I'm trying to learn to do more now, uh, whether it be like relationships or, you know, business ventures or work sometimes is to step mm-hmm. away give it space and comes back to it because yeah, like, knowing our family, like we were always taught to like figure it out, you know, you know, certain individuals in our family had it rough. So it's kind of like, they always had to figure it out. There was no like, Oh, I'll just, you know, wait and see what happens. It was like, no, you got to deal with, you know, your situation here and there mm-hmm. here and right now. And so it's always been my mindset, I guess it's like, yeah, I'm figured out no matter what the issue is. But now, like you said, giving my time, give myself time and space to kind of like, all right, well, maybe the nonprofit ideas, like, you know, kind of, hit a, you know, a little stall in a sense. So let me back away and then you kind of get that, you know, innovation and kind of that drive to work on it again. So that's when I kind of come back to it and start working on it again. So, um, and I think like Justin says, a male thing, like for us always have to figure it out, you know, uh, given the situation. So Mm -hmm. I said learning to, you know, take time and space from whatever it is to kind of let your subconscious mind kind of kick in and come up with, you know, a game plan going forward. Absolutely. Agreed. Gabby, this has been awesome. Super insightful. I think definitely one of the better conversations we've had on this podcast. So definitely want to thank you for coming on. Dan, thanks for helping set it up, obviously. Um, uh, Did either of you guys have anything else for today? Um, I'll just quickly share um, a little bit about my brand because I know we kind of talked around it a little bit. Um, So I started my brand back in 2016, um, went full time as an entrepreneur in 2020 during the pandemic. Um, And so the Boss Blueprint Agency specializes in actually helping brands move into luxury, more profitable markets. Because as I said earlier, profitability is important to me because that's how you build a sustainable business model that's going to outlast you and truly make an impact on your family for generations to come. And so we, we do that through a few different ways. We do that through rebranding businesses because you can't price something that people have seen at a lower price. So you have to really create a new thing to be able to price at that elevated price and really raise that profit in your business. And then the other thing we do is we work with executive teams to help them find synergy through strategic planning. So we get past the emotions, everyone thinking that I'm the boss, and we just really focus on the data and we do what the data says and we use our intuition 
um, combine with the data to make the best decisions for the business, get everybody on the same page. And through that program, we've seen that you can grow your revenue by about 25% within um, six months, typically. And so all of my programs are, I would say, uh, super impactful. Um, my focus is on fast action, meaning fast impact. So I want to see growth in your revenue within the next three to six months. Um, and if you're not in the black, you, we want you in the green. So uh, we don't want you in the red. And so that's definitely our goal is if you're there, we want to pull you out of that as fast as possible because sustainability is our focus. And you can find us. Um, on Instagram at Boss Blueprint Co. We're on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Gabby Payne. I'm probably more active on my personal LinkedIn page and my business LinkedIn page. Um, and then also on Twitter, we're Boss Blueprint Co. as well, I think. But if you Google Boss Blueprint, you'll be able to find us. Boss Blueprint Branding Agency, we do have some SEO in the works. So you will be able to find us. <laughs> awesome. Gabby, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Guys, thanks for listening. We really look forward to getting this out for you, some great content this week. Um, as you guys know, you can find Gabby on, like she said, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Find us on right now Instagram and TikTok as well. Uh, those are both in the, both of mine and Dan's Instagrams as well as the uh, podcast Instagram as well. Thank you, guys. We look forward to seeing you next week. Gabby, thanks again. It was lovely meeting you, talking thank to you, you, learning from you. Thank you. All right, guys. See you soon. See you.